0: This is the epilogue audio experience. You're listening to Brewing Talks, a show where I brew up some interesting conversations on around brands, advertising, businesses, marketing ideas, and whatnot. I'm Madhulika, a passionate marketer, entrepreneur in the business of marketing and communication, and of course, your host for the show. Social media. Well, just talking about this topic or rather introducing you guys about this topic can literally take me this entire episode. Uh, We all know that social media is pretty much a part of our life today. So what I mean by that, I think for most of us, uh, our day starts with social media and ends with social media. Right. So I'm not sure how many of us can actually imagine a life uh, without, you know, not checking our, uh, you know, personal profile updates on, uh, let's say, Instagram and Facebook, like the top two channels that we often speak about. So this is the topic of our conversation today. And uh, so there are days which are called as ideal days. And uh, today's day is ideal in the sense that I have someone so specific and so ideal to talk on this topic Uh, and he is Hitesh Rajwani, the CEO of Social Samosa Network. Welcome to Brewing Talks, Hitesh. It is amazing to have you on the show. Thank
1: you, Madhilika. Thanks for having me here. It's an honor to be on the the Brewing Talks.
0: Thank you so much, Hitesh. Uh, So... Hitesh, you're leading Social Samosa Network, but also for all our listeners, I want to say a few words about you. So uh, Hitesh actually comes from a very rich experience in digital marketing, brand management and experiential marketing. Hitesh regularly shares his knowledge and experience at different industry forums, and he has also consulted and trained several small medium businesses with four topics like social media marketing. Hitesh, once again, a very warm welcome on Brewing Talks. And uh, since this is the brewing topic uh, for most of us, I'm going to start with a question about what social media post-COVID. So, okay, let's not get into, you know, how social media started and all. we pretty much know all that. But I think what's really relevant to understand that last year when all of us were witnessing the lockdown, uh, we had... Few things to do, right? Uh, one was watching a lot of Netflix or maybe indulging some of our in some of our favorite hobbies or maybe literally picking up our phone every half an hour and checking updates on social media. So the social media consumption, correct me if I'm wrong, literally doubled up last year. Right. So what has changed? What has evolved? What are the different trends that you see after this you know, COVID phase that has just gone by?
1: Like you rightly said, like with COVID and there's this joke that I think has been floating around from the past one, one and a half year that uh, there is no one else responsible for the digital transformation for brands, businesses, and individuals, but COVID-19 being one of those triggers or one of those facilitators for increasing people's time spent on social media platforms so mm-hmm. in in today's day and age people like you said have started like have doubled up the amount of time they spend on social media mm-hmm. uh, platforms have prepared themselves in a way that they make the time that people spend on social media worth it when i say worth it uh, the kind of content you would see on your feed is uh, is not uh like it's it's very relevant to you as a person so you would mm-hmm. see a lot of content around hope around inspiration around motivation across your feeds and that is been one of the mm. the changes that has happened in the covid era i won't say that it's a post covid era we're still in the covid era right.
0: so right
1: i see that there is a lot of content which is being created around inspiring people around uh, empathy for people so mm-hmm. uh, like work from home as a content bucket has mm-hmm. evolved for brands and content creators then you would see a lot of content which is being created within like like you don't think outside the box you think of being creative inside the box the box mm-hmm. being your home uh, your safe space so uh, mm-hmm. like the whole at home creation economy has has uh, taken up pace during this covid era so like even this podcast we're doing within mm-hmm. the doors of our home rather than doing it uh, in in a in a studio per se mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. people do shoot videos or shoot content at their home with limited resources at hand so right. the industry, like the advertising industry has learned how to direct ads on zoom calls or how to you know guide people to to sort of shoot on zoom calls so hmm. a lot changed from a creation perspective mm-hmm. because there is so much time people are spending on social media right. uh, a lot has changed even from the amount of time uh, creators or brands in creating content. So, Hmm. uh, now it's not about uh, getting into the quality of a particular piece or spending so much time in pre-production, post-production. It's about getting the message out at a rapid pace and keeping it raw and real as possible.
0: Hmm. True, true. So does this also mean that uh, today's audience or consumers uh, who are looking at these channels every day, are they being bombarded with too much of content at the same time? like, Is, this, is there lots happening that finally it's making you go lost like somewhere you don't know finally what you want to look at? Uh, is there a bit of a confusion here? Is there a hazy picture out there, uh, Hitesh, as per you?
1: so see there is a clutter for sure i mean uh like because with the increase in time people are spending on social media there are so many takers there are so many new content creators who've come up or there are so many brands who've started looking at uh this fast and cheap and like fast cheap and viral kind of content creation which uh mm. which is uh like one of the authors which writes into content marketing Ashish Chopra's book also is mm. titled around mm-hmm. so mm. the idea for brands and creators uh, like of like they've changed gears from creating like limited number of pieces to uh to a large number of content pieces and that has added to the clutter but I don't think that it's like that clutter in that clutter people are getting confused people are getting actually more clarity on the kind of content they want to consume and the kind of content they want to engage with so Mm -hmm. like i said work from home as a bucket or uh, anything which is inspirational or which which echoes hope is something Mm -hmm. which people really look forward to on social media anything which entertains them at the end of the day so the reason Mm -hmm. why memes as a content format has Mm -hmm. evolved in in the past three four years is because after spending a whole day on um on your day-to-day work and like that hectic schedule you Mm -hmm. want to share a laugh and you want to have some some light-hearted moments and that is where memes have come into play so and during this phase of covid memes have evolved as a larger currency because of the very nature of them being shareable, of them being very relatable to a person. It's something that I can say that that is me. So Mm. that is where uh, the whole, again, again the consumption pattern is happening on those lines that I want something which is very personal, very relatable to me as a person and not the other way around.
0: Hmm. Okay. Interesting. Okay. So Hitesh, you, uh, you lead this, uh, you know, you lead the business of social media network and we all know social, uh, social samosa, I meant, uh, you know, uh, is, is a very, very popular online publication network. In fact, anything to do with advertising, marketing brands, uh, and digital, you know, we look up to social samosa, right? Definitely. So, Coming from uh, from a perspective of you know this media uh, you know publication house, uh, how do you see overall you know not very specific to the trends or what's going on currently? How do you see this whole social scene is has changed over the years, right? From where it started to rather from where social samosa started, you know. Um, how do you see this whole transition is happening from where it was to where it is today?
1: So I think the, the transition is happening uh, parallel to what audiences are doing so uh, and like there are some platforms which come and disrupt the space every now and then. So when we had started social samosa we'd done like we were one of the only blogs so to say to report mm-hmm. advertising marketing on social media and mm-hmm. when we used to report initially if you even if i go back and check our articles we would talk about uh the number of likes a brand has on facebook or now the number of fans a brand has on facebook or the number of followers they have on twitter and so on and that is like 2012 2013 and mm-hmm. today uh, we don't talk about uh, numbers as the only metric we talk about engagement we talk about uh the kind of shareability a brand or a creator content has out there. Hmm. So that, from a concept, the conversation has moved from barely reach to relevance and resonance for a brand and creators with their audiences. The other Hmm. thing that has happened is from a technology uh, or a platform perspective that Uh, Facebook is no more as relevant as it was back in Mm -hmm. 2014 like new platforms have emerged and they've emerged out of the need for better expression so Instagram simplifies people's expression with a simple image that they could click from their phone and put it out and now it's not just about clicking that picture people do create a lot of content on Instagram and they, they put it out so Instagram. Uh, came and changed the scene from a visual standpoint hmm, then hmm. Uh, from video content standpoint youtube grew by strength over the past uh six to eight years and now they are like one of the first video first platforms one of the most preferred video first platform for brands and creators or okay, uh, if uh right. Like if you come to later years, we saw Snapchat coming in and they came Mm. in with content like stories which disappear in 24 hours. And that Mm. particular feature got replicated across platforms from Instagram to Facebook to WhatsApp. And now even Twitter has something called as fleets. So that was, again, a change in how the audience is looking at content like younger audiences are looking at content which... Uh, which disappears and they don't want a a trace of it to be there all the time because Mm. this is content which they're creating in the moment and they don't really want that to be there all the time on their feed on their social media channels Mm. and then over the years we saw uh, a tiktok coming and helping brands and creators create entertaining content with live music with filters with effects and that again democratized content creation at large everyone mm. and anyone can become a content creator and they can get the kind of confidence they want in terms True. of content creation with a platform like tiktok now tiktok is banned in india but then True. there is this size of homegrown apps that has Perfect. happened which have filled in the void for short video content creation. So if right. I think I'm really good with mimicry, I can always go to the, one of these apps, start from mm. the scratch, build a good audience and build a good following for myself. Same is with mm-hmm. brand. So the, the process remains the same. So mm. over the years, we've seen newer content formats coming in play. We've seen that audiences have been more clear about the preference of like about the kind of content they want to consume and at the same time platforms have become more contextual and more relevant by the day like mm. uh, there are brands and creators who still get a lot of engagement on their feeds because they have a good hold on what their audiences want and then there are a lot of brands and creators who are struggling with reach and engagement on their. Mm. Uh, their handles because somewhere they've lost the pulse of the audience they had built over a period of time.
0: Right but Hitesh I'll uh, I'll just stop you here because you know so this is a catch right so uh, like uh, we see suddenly some content out of the blue which sometimes don't make sense but it does make a lot of sense to some set of people and it kind of goes viral like you couldn't imagine like having millions of views and you wonder like okay so Anything can work. So, I mean, what really is this viral uh, thing on social media, you know, wh- because you just don't know how much effort you're put, you know, putting in to create some amazing video. You know, you're, you're spending good amount of money to make it, you know, uh, look good. But then you suddenly realize that it didn't, you know, it didn't really click as much as they thought it will. So for marketers or for content creators, is there a formula to make a content happen? Uh, or make a content go viral as such?
1: So I don't think there's a very particular or a specific formula to go viral apart from what you would have read or you would have had conversations with people out there that uh, when you look at creating content you look at certain factors one of them being your audience insights and you try to understand like you create a a small cohort of audiences that you know that they are very engaged with you and Mm. you know that like you try to understand their kind of content consumption so say if for social samosa uh, marketers agency professionals and content creators mm-hmm. are audiences I would ask my team to follow at least five marketers five agency professionals five content creators and try to understand uh, their content consumption patterns across platforms okay. so say if okay. an agency owner on Instagram is sharing something about Zomata and Mm -hmm. like if they are they are in like if they are applauding what say a zomato does Mm -hmm. as a brand for a period of time then i know that zomato is one brand which cuts through from both consumers as well as marketers Mm -hmm. or if a marketer is talking a lot about burger king as a brand which does ambush marketing quite well i know that uh, the marketers out there appreciate what burger king does as a second like as a number two brand in the whole uh, burger scenario or if mm-hmm. i say that content creators are sharing mm-hmm. content which is relating to their lives or like around the kind of challenges they face while creating content to uh the the challenges or the apprehensions they have while putting out a content then i know that that is one bucket that i have to really latch on as a creator Mm. for these so and this has to be a consistent process i can't say that this is happening today and i keep following that for the next three months i have to constantly follow those audiences and figure out where is that that sweet spot that this is the kind of content they like to consume and this is what i can create from my end so for me right the formal so i don't think there is a, a like one size fit all kind of mm. a formula going viral but from mm-hmm. a construct standpoint your audience insights are the most important thing The second is the format that you are looking at. So you see that with the kind of resources you have, whether you can ace static images as a format or you can ace like a 10-15 second video as a format or Mm. you can ace a longer form video as a format. That you need to look at from your expertise and your um, resources at hand. these are some of the factors you look at in terms of like you look at when you think of like creating content and don't create content for going viral create content for that cohort of audience that you have identified Mm -hmm. if they really like what you have created it will go uh like it will go beyond certain circles. So there is a theory around virality, which says that if your most engaged users, like, like probably your first degree connection. Mm-hmm. If they really like and engage with your content, only then uh, the platform pushes it further to the second or third degree uh, Mm. connections of yours. And then if those second and third degree connections of yours are also engaging or liking that content that goes beyond people that you are not directly connected to and that's the whole theory of going viral that you breach these circles of connections like your first second degree connections your third fourth degree connections and like at a later point in time your content reaches to someone you are not even remotely like connected
0: Mm. correct correct
1: uh the other thing that you were saying that there are some um there are some things which are very bizarre and they go they Mm. do viral (laughs) so like i have a different take on that whole thing because uh, and this is something i've been talking about like when even instagram had launched reels there was so right. many people and even now there are so many people who say that uh instagram has started uh promoting cringe content and mm-hmm. like instagram has become the new tiktok so right. for, like one i think cringe is a very negative word so to say the second thing is i think cringe is very contextual so what Mm -hmm. is cringe to you and me Mm
0: -hmm. might
1: make a lot of sense to someone who's uh like who's residing in a second tier or a third tier city and they might really enjoy the kind of content that is being created Mm. true absolutely Mm. With a platform like TikTok or any of these short video apps, what has happened is that we've seen a lot of democracy, like I was saying earlier also that there's a lot of democracy in the content creation process and at the same time content distribution process. So, Mm -hmm. someone Mm -hmm. sitting in my hometown, Jodhpur, became so viral that people started calling him the Michael Jackson of India. Mm -hmm. Why? There are so many people based in Mumbai, uh, they right. have worked with a Terence Lewis, but they've not really got that kind of recognition. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, so it's about like like I was saying that it's about being contextual to a certain audience and then breaching mm-hmm. those, those circles of virality in some sense or the other.
0: Mm, correct so i think also from the content creation point of view as you're saying that a lot more people are now beginning to get vocal and sharing their you know their talent or whatever i think this is also giving uh, or rather further strengthening the concept of ugc right the user generated content that in fact brands love as well at the same time so i think this is something which is really growing this area a lot more
1: right so i mean like brands like for for brand like it's a it's a delight for a brand manager Correct. to see uh, people creating content around what they are promoting Correct. and that is what even tiktok used to promote as an offering with those branded challenges or uh, you would see a lot of fan art being created for certain brands like McDonald's, Kat. You would see a lot of these design creators, they create fan art for them. So that is like a brand manager's delight that they are getting people to, to be a part of their creation journey. And mm. they are getting they are inspiring people so much that uh, people are creating content around what they believe in and what they talk about. So very interesting thing that had happened, I think last year when, so Burger King had again done uh, an ambush uh, case against like an ambush Mm. marketing campaign, wherein they'd said that uh, Ronald McDonald is the most lonely person on Valentine's Mm. day. And Mm. uh, like, like we would request uh, all burger king fans to go and visit mcdonald's that day and uh pay pay our regards to to the to the most lonely person on the planet and mm-hmm. so like the campaign was really well shot well thought uh even taking care of all the legal check boxes like they didn't really show the McDonald logo there or even the the, the statue they used looked Mm -hmm. a lot like Ronald but was not really him and uh, there was this fan-based video that came out as a response to what Burger King did wherein they said that this person is not the loneliest person he's the most happiest person out there and there are so many people who come to McDonald's just to spend time with him Mm -hmm. and they done they done like a crowdsourced video wherein like they picked up your footages from the internet wherein people are having fun with ronald sitting with him on the bench and all of that and that was Mm -hmm. created by a fan i'm not saying that it might not have been triggered by the brand but at Mm -hmm. least there was so much brand love out there that there was a fan or a creator who took the effort to create something like this
0: absolutely absolutely okay so Hitesh, you just mentioned sometime back about uh, Zomato, right? So, uh, this is kind of reminding me of the very recent, uh, you know, controversy just just happened. And uh, so, I'm coming to the main topic, uh, the main, uh, you know, area here, which is about the crisis, handling of the crisis, right? So, when a crisis used to, you know, break out for a brand or an organization or an individual, uh, it was... uh, very easy to control, right? Because maybe Max Max, maybe a newspaper might just carry the news or, you know, people might just talk about it. And that's the end of the day. But now in today's time, when you, you know, witness a crisis of this sort or something happens, right? You have millions of people talking about it. It gets amplified on different social media channels. So first of all, is it really possible to handle a crisis, right? Uh, why whatever means i mean how creative you can get or how credible and real you can get and what are the ways to do it right so if what what kind of learnings do we get out of an incident like the zomato one that just happened
1: so i mean like like you rightly pointed that in the traditional world the conversation would be limited to a certain set of people and it would die down but Mm. social media it gets amplified social media is like gasoline or yeah. a lot of things and like that thing might like it, it's it's a it's a double-edged sword which might work in your favor which might Finish. just uh, like it might just backfire as well so right. uh, in terms of how brands should be prepared for a crisis of a certain scale or how like how can brands like what are the kind of learnings can they can have from inc- incidences with these bigger brands so like I think the first and foremost thing which brands need to do and which i don't think uh, most of them have realized some of them obviously have a good crisis management template in place Mm -hmm. they've they've defined guidelines as to when something like this happens when Mm -hmm. when shit hits the fan like these are step one two three four that we need to do but Mm -hmm. And that is limited to very few brands who might have defined this as a template and would work on it. It's, right. like, it's like how moment marketing works for brands. There is something which is trending and there are brands who are creating something around it. And the whole process is very seamless That the moment some, some incidents has happened and in the next hour you would see a brand creative on their Twitter or on their mm. Instagram. Similarly, mm. right. when there is a crisis of a certain scale happening there has to be a process that has to be defined that if a particular tweet or a particular to to, uh, a particular post has reached these many people or has got these many negative comments this is what our first step should be or if Mm -hmm. it has like got this this many volume of conversations we need one of our spokesperson to come out and talk about it or Mm. The third thing is to uh, to separate like separate the whole troll culture from a crisis. So I think when brands get trolled, they don't have to worry as much as mm-hmm. compared to when there are genuine consumers who who are uh, frustrated with the brand and the crisis. Like the negative sentiment is coming from your genuine consumers. So whenever right is a crisis of a certain scale happening on twitter like uh say a ban xyz or a delete xyz happening brands need to understand that whether that conversation or that negative sentiment is coming from their end consumers or it is from a set of audiences on twitter whose job like i think who are like hitmen on social media so, uh-huh. most of the cases which have happened in the past have mm-hmm. been from those audiences who are not essentially end consumers for the brand, but right. just hitmen on social media. Uh, the mm. learning, so to say, should be, like I said, one, you keep listening to the conversation. So, a good practice, right. I think most of the brands do that, at least is that you have a good social listening tool in place and you monitor conversations uh, with more resources if there is a crisis that is happening and you are a part of a crisis. So you, mm-hmm. you create a social media war room of sorts and you monitor conversations which are happening. You start bucketing those conversations into positive, negative, into people who are still mm-hmm. uh So that is in terms of sentiment. The other is you bucket it in terms of audiences. So whether these are my consumers, whether mm-hmm. these are popular trolls, whether these are individuals who joined the conversation. And Mm -hmm. if you put all of this on a board, you will identify that there are some people who are standing for you. So you amplify their voices. There are some people who have a, who are critical about you, but they're not harmful to the brand. Like they're giving a very constructive criticism or feedback. So you even engage with those audiences. And then there is a third bucket of people who are, just throwing hate in replies or comments you like as a fan, you don't really engage with them because you're giving them more fodder so this is one thing you do in terms of conversation analysis the second thing you do is like i said you get uh, your first response out uh, by understanding the implications on the whole stakeholders that you have and if the conversation has moved out of Hand in the sense that uh, a tweet or a post might not help, you mm-hmm. get your spokesperson into play. So like what Zomato did with uh, DP Goyal putting out a statement yeah. on Twitter handle, and the statement was so so well written and so well Correct. So Correct. That uh, like it never took any sides, uh, mm-hmm. helped the parties involved in the crisis. And... Like gave a commitment or promise that they they are on it and Correct. whoever is like whoever needs help gets help from Zomato and at mm. the same time as the brand they would make sure that this doesn't happen again. So Zomato mm. is a great case in terms of handling crisis and even Deepi Goel as a person is a great case. Uh, mm. Is a great person to learn from when it comes to crisis true. communication. True. True. Or like Absolutely. even uh, the crisis that happened with Burger King around their women's day tweet there's a lot of learning to have from that that when when as a brand you're doing certain gimmicks you you back it up with certain numbers and certain facts or like when you are presenting content in a certain format then it has to give a complete picture rather than Mm. leaving hope for outrage True, and then there are certain brands who do do um so I won't name the brands, but there are certain brands who want to get trolled and who want to get bullied. Mm. So, mm-hmm. and they do that with an intent of gaining publicity and they come from that school of thought that mm. any publicity is good publicity. Correct. Correct. So it's yeah. again something if your brand wants to enter into like enter into territories which are around religion, politics, mm. uh, which, uh, which might star positive or negative conversations it's up to the brand but i i won't recommend like by and large a brand if they are uh, like if they if they can define their guidelines religion and politics should be the last thing on their bucket absolutely absolutely but that said if there is a cause that that needs a voice from that brand and there is a direct connect for the brand with that particular cause, not even a direct, but say if I have a pool of 5 million audiences on Twitter and all of them want me to talk about something and to Mm -hmm. to amplify a certain voice, I should not like worry about it and probably as a brand take that opportunity. Like say during the whole uh, COVID scenario, so many brands took up certain causes right from Mm. about sanitization, talking about, Cleanliness, mm. about um, staying home, staying safe. So, mm. as a brand, if I could take a stance for a certain thing, because that, probably that topic was not associated to me directly, but then I mm. knew it's something which is important to my audience's life. So, mm. I, I should talk about it. So, mm. okay. okay. But then, if brands hover into the territory of religion and politics, they should have a strong crisis uh management hmm. temp in place uh, a set of guidelines or instructions for the teams to follow when it comes to that because when things go south a lot uh, there is a lot of chaos that happens hmm. and in that chaos like there are things wherein you you don't do things for better you might just make things worse if you don't have anything in play yeah absolutely like if you don't have a plan in place
0: hmm. absolutely absolutely That that's amazing insights uh okay so also, now coming to the point of, uh, you know, the recent guidelines by ASCI on, on the fact that, uh, you know, the influencer based content, right, uh, which is also pretty heavy in the social media scene today. So to have this kind of a demarcation between a paid content or a sponsored content from a non-sponsored content. So how do you see the way forward in terms of, you know, the, the way people, consumers look at influencer based content because they will clearly understand now the difference between, you know, what is being planned as such and what is coming organically from an influencer
1: so i think there are a lot of uh, implications to the new guidelines and ascii as a body has it's good that they have stepped up to do something for the influencer marketing ecosystem Mm -hmm. Uh, like globally there are like these guidelines have always been in place that influencers if they are paid or like if there is an association in butter with a brand. They need to mention that it's a paid mm-hmm. ad, a sponsored content, and that like the audiences for those influencers are also accustomed in a way that they know what is paid and what is organic with with the treatment that influencer does in in their content. Mm-hmm. But, but Indian audiences and Indian content creators, I think there is a lot of challenge uh in on the road ahead because um one their audiences are not used to these disclosures Uh, so like their audiences usually and when they consume their content that that particular sponsored bit comes in and they like they would consume it but still they would stick to the kind of content they're creating so uh, these creators have to be very smart in doing content integrations moving forward. So, some of the examples which I've seen in the recent times, which which really like set a gold standard for creators is like say, mm-hmm. Anusha uh, putting out uh, a paid collaboration for Wendy's, wherein mm-hmm. the slide of his post was that this like I've been paid by Wendy's for this particular post. And mm-hmm. then, like, he continued the story. So he was very candid, very honest about mm-hmm. the whole story. Like, like, he he was trying to do an ad within an ad. Or Correct. something which even uh, Ankush Bhaguna did for, for Max Fashion, I believe, during Women's Day that he was sitting with his mom and he was telling her that uh, I'm creating this ad for Max Fashion and this is how you're supposed to talk and this is mm-hmm. what we have to mention. And this was mm-hmm. again coming as a behind the scenes kind of an ad, but mm-hmm. I don't know what beyond this. I mean, these are good examples of how Correct. to take care of influencer guidelines and at the same time creating content which your audience will enjoy. Uh, one one challenge is in terms of creating content which is still engaging because people have this. Uh, so I had hosted a panel discussion on this guide line and one of the panelists from a digital agency she mentioned that people have this tendency to skip an ad so if mm. i know that an influencer is putting an ad i mm-hmm. might not engage with that content and that is mm. something which will reflect on the engagement number numbers for that creator and eventually a brand's interest might get lost so True. Um, so creators have to have to have uh like, have to have more, like, like brands have to have brand love and brand loyalty. Creators mm-hmm. will also have to cultivate and nurture a lot of creator love and, uh, affinity from their audiences. Uh, mm-hmm. from a brand standpoint, I think it's a very, very, uh, like for them, I'm, like, I'm coming from that thought that over the past eight to 10 years, agencies or even brands and the people who are uh, promoting or endorsing influencer marketing as a concept have been selling the whole idea of influencer marketing on the premise that there is a lot of banner blindness that happens with ads and ads don't engage consumers as much mm-hmm. while an influencer content or a branded content engages has has a deeper engagement with audiences so if you are leveling that that uh, field between an ad and an influencer posting uh, a piece of content which is flagged as ad, there is a lot of uh, churn that will happen for the brand and the brand might just think that I might take this content creator as an actor and make an ad out of it if the whole idea is to flag it as an ad. Mm, True. Like I would rather spend my money at a another contextual platform which is not under guidelines from an ascii or any other because digital publishers are not falling under this new guideline till date like they don't Hmm. mark everything as advertorials so far so maybe like as a brand they would want to evaluate opportunities uh in ads in influencers in digital publishers or in in another network or community wherein there is no guideline of sorts in place and then Mm. the third thing is from an audience standpoint the audiences again will have a very hard time Mm. Uh, like i think uh, the the logic that they are placing is that they're saying that uh, most of the audiences are intellectual and they understand Mm what ad is and what is not but mm-hmm. that's a very small layer of people correct. Like a small percentage of people correct or people from the advertising marketing community we can make that differentiation not True. everyone can do that absolutely there absolutely are, and there mm-hmm. are there is a blind spot there that there are times wherein someone is endorsing something very genuinely mm-hmm. but people think that this is something which is paid for so mm a lot of gray area true true. but from an like i think eventually the ecosystem will evolve and learn the ropes for this new guidelines Uh, i think that like advertising standard council of india as a body makes sense because uh, like they have a larger network and connect with brands agencies at large but i don't Mm. think Advertising guidelines should apply to something which is like content marketing or influencer marketing at large. Mm-hmm. There has to be people who understand content marketing quite well, who understand influencer marketing quite well, and they have to step up and probably present, like, like make changes to this guideline or propose changes which make it more robust and not just lopsided from a conventional school of thought.
0: Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Also, Hitesh, uh, I don't know if you've uh, I don't know if you've come across this kind of, uh, you know, experience. So, uh, like, you know, imagine if you have a social media manager who takes care of, you know, who manages a social media page for a brand. Now that same person when, you know, you know, the same person has his own social media handles, right? The personal handles, I mean, and there he or she is pretty free to put the kind of content he or she loves and, you know, like they just randomly put something and people love it, you know, they put comments on it. And But that same person when, you know, he's literally focused on putting something for the brand, there's a lot of hesitation. There's a lot of worry. Oh, will this click? Will this not click? Will this, let's say if I'm an agency and that agency person is doing something, something for his client, there's always this, you know, something stopping you kind of a feeling that a lot of times I'm not saying every time, but a lot of times it doesn't let you out the creativity that a social media channel expects out of you. Right. So why this much of mindset difference like on handling your personal profile versus handling a a brand profile, you know, why there are these limitations that are, you know, uh, maybe because of guidelines to some extent, but are there other reasons for that as well?
1: i think the biggest reason is that when you are creating content on your own you are your own boss and Mm -hmm. you you take that risk and uh, you take that opportunity that i'm creating something like this it might work it might not work Mm -hmm. and like at the end of the day you are responsible for whatever happens on your personal page Mm -hmm. and there is no pressure on you to perform when i say pressure, it's like if my post is not getting more than 30 likes it's fine no one is coming and questioning me on that mm-hmm, but at mm-hmm. the same time, when i'm creating something for brands uh, or if i'm a social media manager for a certain brand i have to deliver like i have to deliver certain numbers i have to deliver a certain amount of engagement and i mm-hmm. have to do that, like you said within a certain guideline so as a guideline as a brand i can't put anything which is religion i can't put anything which is uh like which is like cheesy Mm. slapstick or like Mm -hmm. anything which is abc so as a brand i would have like i would have certain guidelines to follow when i'm putting out content or creating content for a brand Mm. so like i said i mean it's about the pressure it's about delivering numbers Mm. while being restricted under a guideline which is the fundamental difference as to why content creators initially flourish much Mm. better Compared to brands and even otherwise like social media platforms were not created for brands. Social media platforms were created for individuals to uh, express themselves, to create a community, to connect with people uh, with uh, with like-minded interests. And it is when so many people started engaging with each other on this platform or on these mediums, only then brands got interested in it and brands started uh building their own profiles so true, true. this is one of the fundamental things which and i love quoting it everywhere that uh if we are in an era wherein um humans like you me mm-hmm. we want to be brands mm-hmm. and at the same time there are brands who want to be as human as possible so brands right. try really hard to become human and humanize themselves mm-hmm. and individuals are striving hard to become
0: bigger brands and true true yeah yeah actually so well said and it's so true if you you know you you really see this happening today actually uh okay so with this Hitesh, i come to this very very relevant question that i want to ask you is about um you know the gap i see in in social media education so i'm not saying digital media because that's like a vast subject to talk about but let's say you know while we've we say that millennials can really handle you know why don't you hire millennials and they'll do a great job for your social media campaigns because they're full of ideas they know what are the latest trends but yet I think it's a lot of science there as well at the same time right so do you think there is a gap in today today's time when it comes to social media education whether how we can actually fill those gaps and make the professionals you know Come out more confident in their learnings and understanding how they have to treat the way they treat, you know, these channels particularly. So, do you have anything to say to this?
1: So, I think yeah, there has always been a gap in terms of education, and this is not just for social media, but in general. If uh, if you if you study the advertising and marketing curriculums or the kind of courses which are out there from recognized universities as well as. Uh, autonomous ones you would see that the curriculums are are designed in like like uh, are designed in 2012 and they are being talk, taught in 2020. So I'm not saying that social media is not a part of uh college's curriculum but the curriculum has been designed keeping in mind the construct of platforms or mediums in, in a certain age and we've evolved from that and uh, we've come to a stage wherein all of that has become obsolete or irrelevant in Mm. in a lot of times so uh, to your point on why we should hire millennials or people say that millennials understand this better so see uh, like millennials are a great fit for content creation for a brand or an individual Mm -hmm. because they spend as much time on social media platforms so people like Mm -hmm. you and Might have a time cap to the amount of time we spend on an Instagram or a Snapchat. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't really like Snapchat as a platform as a person, but I really love the platform when I look at it from a marketer standpoint. Mm -hmm. But there is uh, someone who's 16, 18, 20 year old who's spending as much time on Snapchat as a platform. And if you speak to them and you say that this is like, I I say that I'm from Social Samosa and Mm -hmm. I. explore snapchat as a platform they'll come back to you with some crazy ideas which you might not have even thought so as humans and as people with certain years of experience we are wired in a way and like when we are when we look at things we look at things from those two three lenses but Mm -hmm. these people these millennials are raw talent and they they know that they know what would work on the platforms they might Mm -hmm. not the brand well they might not know everything else but they know that if i do this this is the outcome i would get whether Mm. it fits to a brand's scheme of things or whether it's something the brand would want to do as a personality is Mm -hmm. is something that you could guide that person but they they can come back and like they can come back with raw ideas which you can polish and make it work so Mm. what what uh the industry at large should be doing is to cultivate this young and raw talent as much as possible if courses mm. i know that courses if i make a course in 2021 march mm. and while we are discussing this that course makes sense six months down the line absolutely so absolutely Courses yeah. might not be a good solution but probably running those internship programs mm-hmm. uh, which which are catered to uh, what is happening in the space at that point in time makes sense so say at social samosa like one of our publishers is social ketchup and we have created a brand solutions division wherein Mm -hmm. there are interns who are coming in from like these good colleges and uh, these are interns who are very good at content creation themselves Mm -hmm. so they come and brainstorm on the kind of content that should go out on our handles. I see a difference in what someone who's like experienced and who's doing like four to five years of, like who's worked with us for four to five years in terms of social media content, mm-hmm. vis-a-vis this person who's bringing in uh, very uh, very fun, enthusiastic and innovative ideas to the table. Mm-hmm. So like there has to be, A balance that brands and agencies or even individuals need to create that you guide a person with what you really want and let them do their thing. Right. You would be amazed with the kind of outcomes you get out of working with these young people like you learn more than you teaching them.
0: Actually, actually, no, I totally agree with that. It's my personal experience as well. And I think this is uh, what you rightly said is social media is so dynamic and ever evolving that uh, what's relevant today may not be relevant tomorrow. So there's a constant to need to churn out the latest updates and the latest information, which is, is you know, exactly what you need for the moment and for the time being. Yeah, um, let's say,
1: like we've had conversations with uh, marketers, hmm. says, like, at say a dunzo which is very good with memes and moment marketing so if you Mm -hmm. ask the teams at dunzo they say that they have meme creators who are quite young and who who understand the meme space much better than you me or anyone because they might consume like at least four to five hours of content into memes and Mm. expecting someone who's not following meme scene in india to create a meme for your brand doesn't make sense at all so mm-hmm. uh so if bands want to adapt and evolve with the coming times they have to have such people by their side so mm-hmm. i'm sure uh, the teams who do memes for zomato or the teams who do memes for any brand which is like which is known for their meme sense have uh, a lot of young people on board people who are less than like 20 like less than 25 years old for sure but around 18 to 20 year olds who who understand the memes seen quite well so and that's the reason why if you see at least the digital agents in india most of have talent which like the average age of talent is under 25 because these are people who are fresh out of college who've taken a good theoretical understanding of how brands work how communications work And at the same time are equipped with almost all the social media platforms which have existed or like uh, who are likely to experiment any new platforms which come into play.
0: Mm. Okay. Okay. Wow. Uh, Hitesh, I... I can say that I thoroughly enjoyed chatting with you in this, on this episode. And uh, I think I'm seriously planning to have a part two of this this particular topic because trust me, there's so much more to talk, right? We can just go on and on. And there's so many different aspects to to social media that we can talk. But I guess uh, what, what we spoke about and what interesting insights you shared about today was an immense learning for the listeners, I'm sure. Uh, I think especially the very clear area to really focus on is to Derive a lot of information and takeaways from the audience insights, right? That's something we should really never not focus on because that gives you a clear understanding about how you are, where you're headed towards, plus whether this content will really go viral or not, what your consumers want to, uh, you know, listen from you or see from you coming from you as an individual or a brand. So I think that's that's amazing, and uh, thank you so much for being on the show. As I said, it was amazing and a very very interesting conversation.
1: Thank you, Madhavika. Thank you for having me. And I love this chat. And I hope the audiences also love listening to this podcast and happy to
0: do a part to any point. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. We'll plan that soon. Thank you once again, Hitesh. Thank you for tuning in. If you have liked this episode, do comment your thoughts or DM us on Instagram at Media. Do rate us on Apple Podcasts. And subscribe to Brewing Talks on Epilog Media website or your favorite podcast app like Jio 7 Ghana, Spotify, Apple Podcasts so that you get notified when we come next. Stay subscribed. I shall catch up with you in the next episode. Till then, stay creative, stay safe and take care.